One of, if not the most frustrating parts of owning and running a business is the constant battle of getting employees to comply, follow important processes, and get on board with company goals and initiatives. Why is it so hard to get buy-in? Based on my experience, what feels like reluctance for our employees really comes down to only six things. This is part three of a four-part series where we cover all six reasons, and more importantly, what to do about each one. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So anyone who's gone paperless over the last few years can certainly relate to what we're going to talk to uh, talk about today. Uh, the example when going paperless would be, you know, technicians who sit through your training as you talk about how you're getting rid of paper invoices and you're going to uh, paperless and you're using your tablets and your apps and, and they sit through the training and we, you know, we, we train them up and then we ask, anybody got any questions? Everybody sure they know what they're doing? Yep, 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 we're all good. They head out in the field and they have no idea what they're doing. Or anyone who's promoted a significant number of, of good employees to supervisory roles. We quickly learn that the skills that made them good at the job they were promoted out of do not necessarily apply to this new role, and they don't necessarily know how to fix it either. You can have a fantastic salesperson, you promote them to a sales manager, and they completely flop. They don't know how to manage people. They don't know this, they don't know the skills necessary to be good at that role, even though they were great at the sales job or an operations job or whatever. Uh, one of the reasons business owners don't devote the time they should to reading their financials is they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know what the numbers mean. They don't know what the numbers are supposed to mean. You know, managers looking for young people whose primary communication or working with young people whose primary communication method is texting. And we get frustrated that they don't know things like how to establish rapport in a face-to-face conversation with our customers. And one of my favorite examples of this is uh, a guy I worked with. I know this had to be 20 years ago. Um, guy I worked with, he he had a a, a helper with him on a a young guy, a new a new guy at the company, and the guy had to park. Um, the guy needed the, the the trainer needed the the trailer parked, and so he told the trainee guy, you know, hey, go out and park this trailer in the parking lot, and then meet me back in here. And the the trainer guy started like BS when people in the office, or whatever, and and kind of lost track of time. Next thing you know, it's like been a half an hour. And so we go out to look for this this kid that he sent out to park this trailer. And we found him 30 minutes later still trying to back this trailer into place. Like, he just had no idea how to do it. Now, if you ever tried to back a trailer up, like, the first time you do it, you're not very good at it. And, if, and you're really not going to be very good if you don't have somebody, like, showing you some pointers on how to do this. So, um, but the kid never mentioned he had not done this before. He just said, okay, aye, aye, captain, out he went. And, and you know, out, out to go do this thing. And after a half an hour, he still didn't He still didn't say, I don't know how to do this. So the third most common reason, in my opinion, on why people don't do things we need them to do is they, frankly, just don't know how. 
People do not like admitting, especially publicly, they don't know how to do something. And it's incredibly frustrating to try to do something when you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to use a certain tool. You don't know how to use a certain aid or an app or some kind of software. You don't know which process to follow. Again, imagine for, you know, remember what it was like for you trying to read a PL before you knew how to read a PL. It's incredibly frustrating. You got all these numbers. You don't really know what you're supposed to be doing. You don't really know what the process is supposed to be. You don't know what the numbers were hoping for. Like, it just ugh, forget it. I ain't going to bother. And that's kind of how people are in this thing on, on stuff that they don't know how to do. Uh, they don't know how to take the proper steps in the process. They don't know what process to follow. They don't know how to use a certain tool. So guess what? People are not going to do it, or at least not for very long, if they don't know what they're doing. Or in some cases, they're not even aware of what they don't know. So they couldn't possibly do the right thing. And even if they don't, even if they do know that they don't know things, they're not always going to tell you. I don't necessarily know all the reasons why this is. It's a human trait, but it is. And it'd be foolish to act as if it's going to stop anytime soon. And it'd be foolish to act as if my teams or your team are immune to this tendency. This is just how it is. If they don't know things, they're not likely to tell you. I, you know, maybe it's because they think we're going to judge them or think less of them if they don't know how to do things. Um, you know, maybe maybe they think that we're just we're not uh, we don't want people who aren't competent or confident, and that that we would they would be reduced in our eyes if we if we you know got calls from them or they asked questions about things or just flat out said, "I don't know how to do this. Can you help me?" <laughs> I would much rather have somebody tell me that then make me go on a wild goose chase to figure it out or have them make a number of mistakes before we collectively figured out that they didn't know what they were doing. I would be, my life would be so much easier. People would just be like way forthcoming and like, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you please help me? But for whatever reason, that's not how it works. They will sit there in those meetings, in the training or in your weekly or monthly meetings, whatever you have, and you talk about the processes, you talk about what they need to do and they'll nod their head and they'll smile and they'll go out there and they will not do it because they don't know how. And you just won't know. So, again, we can argue about how it shouldn't be this way and how it's not right. And I wish they would do this and they should know better than that. Okay, that's all great. This is still how it is. So, we still have to deal with it. So, um, in my mind, you know, there's some things we can do to kind of get out in front of this. We can look for signs in group trainings and one-on-one. Either one. If If you're talking to somebody directly, you can look for signs. If you're talking to a group, you can look for signs. Um, and I'm just looking for people who are just not getting it. Um, body language is a great indicator. If they're showing like concern, if they have like a puzzled look on their face, if they have like a reluctant look on their face, if they don't feel, if they don't look like they have confidence with the topic, those are indicators to me that I better, I better stop and verify. Do you know how to do this? Um, and I don't just say a yes, or, I don't ask a yes or no question here. I do not, under any circumstances, it's a waste of my time to say, do you know how to do this? Because if they aren't going to volunteer, they're probably not very likely to answer that question honestly either. So some people would, there's no question, but I would prefer to ask different questions and we'll get to that in a second. Um, another thing to look at besides body language is, are they not able to answer questions you ask that should easily be answered? You know, when you ask the group, hey, you know, what, what's the next step here? And, you know, seven of the 10 answer, but three of the 10 don't. Okay, I better pay attention to why three of the 10 didn't. 
are they just not in, interested in voicing, you know, speaking up at that time? Okay, that's fine. If, if so, or do they not know? Another thing I look for is people looking around. Again, this could be a one-on-one conversation or it could be in a group. People looking around to see if other folks are also confused. So if you're standing and talking to somebody one-on-one in the hallway of your office and you're saying, hey, you know, um, we need to get, you know, follow this process or we need, you know, we need to get this done. Like, you know, how do you think this should happen? And they're looking at other people with a bewildered look on their face. Like, well, do you understand why, you know, then, you know, or in a group meeting, same thing. If they're looking around kind of for validation and kind of uh, that look of, um, please don't let me be the only one who doesn't get this. (laughs) If you see them doing that, then, you know, Um, so but even if we aren't able to suss that stuff out with those kinds of things, it's hard. If you have 40 people in your, in your, in your uh, company and you're having a group meeting, it's hard to be able to pick that out of all 40 you know, people in a room. Um, we still have to develop a method of sniffing out those situations where people don't know things that they are reluctant to say they don't know without humiliating them. If we embarrass them or humiliate them, they will, they will, go further into their cave, not come out of it. They will go further into hiding what they don't know rather than being more forthcoming. And that's just the way it is. And sometimes it's they don't know the process. Sometimes they don't know like step-by-step what to do. Sometimes they don't know how to use the software, the app, the tool. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've talked to people about, we're going to use this tool to go do whatever job. And they nod their head and smile. Yep, uh-huh, uh-huh, got it. And then when it comes down to it, like, how, well, how does this, how would it look if this tool is working right? And they go, uh, I don't know. And then they had no choice but to just kind of say, uh, yeah, I have no idea how this tool works. Or if I had to ask them, like, you know, how do you maintain this tool? And they just kind of get that blank look on their face or, um, you know, with applicate, you know, apps on software and tablets and stuff like that. Like, how do you know it's working right? And they get that kind of blank look on their face. Then you know. Um, and again, my goal is to, is to, get to the bottom of this stuff and figure this out without embarrassing them. I do not want to embarrass them. If anything, I want this to motivate them to come forward more openly next time without me prodding them. I want to demonstrate to them that it's way cool if you don't understand something here and you ask. It's totally okay for you to like raise your hand and be like, I just don't get it. Sorry, I know you've covered it 23 times. I just don't get it. Sorry. I would much rather have that scenario than the alternative, which is they pretend like they know, they don't, and then bad things happen. For me, one of my goals in training is to make it crystal clear and create an environment where people are able and willing to step up and say, I don't get it. I absolutely want that. But I got I know, especially with new hires, new people in the company, um, people who have a certain level of seniority or, or you know, confidence or whatever it is, they're just never going to do it. That's okay. I, it's still my job to figure this out. I do wish it was easier and I do wish they would come forward to this stuff more, but if they're not going to ultimately, I guess it's a selfish act because I don't want to have to keep deal with the consequences. So it's, I would rather put the investigative work in to make sure that they know what they're doing versus not doing that. And then I got to pay the price. I got to answer the customer who's, who's mad. I got to deal with the other coworkers who are angry. I got to deal with all the negative consequences that come from this person not knowing. I would rather just figure it out up front and deal with it then. That's, that's, and again, I know that's a selfish thing because I want to be free to go to do other things. <laughs> I don't want to have to worry about this one thing getting done. Like I got other things to do. So, um, again, we can you know, look for body language, look for them not answering questions, look for them looking around to see who else is confused. Like those are really good indicators. 
I also, um, when it comes to like, do they understand the process? I will ask questions like, why is this the correct process? If they can't, ex- if they can't explain why this is the correct process, then they may not know it. What is the most important part or parts of this process? If they can't identify that, they probably don't know the process. Uh, to make sure I explain the process correctly, I will almost always say, can you please repeat back to me what you heard? Not repeat back what I said. It's a different question. I want them to repeat back to me what they heard. I, because the assumption is, I want the assumption to be that they did their part right. I don't want the assumption to be I did my part right. I want the assumption to be they're fine with how, whatever happened. Whatever they heard is fine. It's not wrong if they didn't hear, quote unquote, what I said. I need to be better about explaining if they didn't hear me properly. If that makes, I hope that makes sense. The burden is on me to be better, not them to be better is my point. I don't want it to come across like it's their fault if something is wrong and they didn't get it. I, because again, my goal is for them to want to speak up when they don't get things. My goal is for them to want to say, please help me, I don't get this. Um, another question I'll ask is, can you please explain to me step-by-step step, or show me if that's more applicable, what's the process or how to do this? Like, so can you please explain to me step-by-step step how we do this? Or can you please show me step-by-step What's the process? Whichever one is more applicable. Uh, another thing I'll ask is, what are the indicators things are going as well as we would like? Like, what tells us we're on the right track with the process working? What tells us things are going wrong? Again, if they can't answer those questions, it's not very likely they really know what to do or they really understand what's going on here. Uh, similarly, when it comes to using tools or aids or software, that kind of stuff, um, very similar questions. Uh, can you explain to me or show me, again, if that's more appropriate, how to use this thing? What would indicate the tool, device, program, app, whatever, is malfunctioning? It, you know, Especially in the, in the world of technology. Like If they can't point out like when something is wrong, then we know that they just don't know, right? Uh, what would indicate we're using this tool properly? That's more for like a physical tool. Um, what would indicate we're using this tool improperly? Uh, and then the last one, again, more for like a physical tool. Can you explain to me or show me, if that's more appropriate, how to properly maintain this tool? And one of the things with expensive tools, you know, nowadays, you know, in depending on what trade or industry you're in, uh, tools can cost, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Like it's not uncommon to have a twenty thousand dollar tool that's being used. And we get super annoyed and frustrated when it's not taken care of. Um, we don't do a great job, generally speaking, asking up front, can you show me how you maintain this thing? We do a great job of getting pissed later on when it's not taken care of well. We don't do a good job up front of saying, of asking, show me how you're supposed to take care of this thing. So that's one of the things I do um, with tools, especially expensive tools. Like I want to know before this person just goes out uh, to a job site or whatever with this $20,000 thing, they know how to take care of it they don't, then it's better for me to find out then than after the fact, right? Uh, real quick, let me tell you about one more time. Uh, actually, two more times. I'll tell you about it next week also. But um, I just did a webinar recorded a few weeks ago. It's available for you at no charge. If you're like nearly all the business owners I work with, you're frustrated that you can't hire talented people right now, you might even settle for some untalented people if you could find them. This webinar is primarily for business owners in service industries just like you who are struggling to find applicants or prospective employees. 
During this webinar, which lasts about an hour, you're going to learn the number one way employers generally work against human nature when writing and placing their ads. And then there's surprise when they don't work. You'll learn the five questions you must answer in every ad if you want applicants to respond. And you'll learn the number one obstacle that prohibits applicants from acting right away. And here's the thing. I know for many folks, you know, free webinars are are uh, now not popular amongst some people because you're afraid of the big sales pitch at the end. There is no sales pitch at the end of this thing. Or if there is, I think it might still be on there. Um, the deadline's passed for the open enrollment period for our group coaching is passed. The next open enrollment's not until June. So there's nothing for you to worry about. Go check out the free information. That's very helpful. Learn what other uh, business owners have done specifically that have in, in some cases have gone from they couldn't hire anybody for two years to in six weeks they had to turn the ad off because they hired six people instead of three. Uh, they were hoping to hire three and they hired six and they couldn't bring on a single other person. So they had to turn off the ad after only six weeks after struggling for two years. So I promise this will change the way you write your ad. So watch it anytime. Go to freehiringwebinar.com. That's freehiringwebinar.com. So back to our um, issue here with people not admitting, especially publicly, they don't like, they don't know how to do something. They just, they do not like admitting that. They do not like fessing up that, hey, I know we just spent an hour talking about this. I just don't get it. Or I know I've been in this company for three years. I don't know how to do this. It's incredibly frustrating to try to do something when you don't know. People will not do that for very long. They will just give up. So having an expectation that they're going to keep trying to do things that they don't know how to do is just we're setting ourselves up for failure. We have to verify they know what they're doing. They have, we have to verify they know the process, that they know the steps. They, they, they can explain it to us. Um, so people are not going to do that for very long, try, keep trying if they don't know. They will just do what they know. And that's just the way it is. Uh, in some cases, they're not even going to be aware of what they don't know. And this is the this is the risk we run when we have meetings and trainings and we we have a meeting and we say, okay, here's what we're doing. And we spend an hour or 20 minutes or six minutes or whatever it is on the topic. And at the end, we do this. Okay, that's it. That wraps up our training. Anybody got any questions? No? Okay, have a great day. <laughs> so even if they didn't know that there was something that they didn't know, how could we find that out if that's the way we wrap up the meeting? But, you know, well over 80% of the meetings I've ever been in my career end like that. We we do training, we do education, we do not verify for them, we do not go through any steps for them to verify that they actually know what we wanted them to learn before we adjourn the meeting. We say, are there any questions? It's awkward silence. They say no, whatever it is, we dismiss them and then we're frustrated with the result. So, we have to go through a verification process to confirm they really know what to do if we want them to do what we want them to do. If they don't know a piece is missing in their mind, if they don't know that they're missing a piece, they can't tell us. And if they do know they're missing a piece, they're not likely to tell us. So we have to go through this process of figuring it out on our own if we want to avoid the negative consequences, which I personally do. I would much rather have that conversation up front, sort out what they don't know, then deal with the consequences later on. And again, this is one of those things that we don't have to like this. We, I wish people were different. I wish they were more forthcoming. I wish they would pay better attention. I wish that they would um, be more diligent about learning and training and things like that. They're not. This is just the way it is. We have to accept it. And I'm the one who pays the price if we get this wrong, not them. I mean, they'll pay a price, some, some, but I'm the one who gets the call from the customer. I'm the one who has to deal with the other angry coworkers. I'm the one who has the the bigger problem. So I would rather just deal with it up front. So 
again, I recommend we look for signs in group trainings, one-on-one meetings that they're not getting it. Body language is a, a critical indicator. Uh, if they if they're showing like concern, a puzzlement, like if they just had this bewildered look on their face, like you'll know it when you see it. Or they just, they they seem like they're not confident. Uh, they turn their head sideways like a dog does. Like, huh? <laughs> There's different body language that people do when they don't get things. And if you can tune in to what that is for your individuals, that would be very helpful for you. If they can't answer questions that you know that should be easy to answer, that's an indicator, obviously. And one of the big ones is people looking around to see if other people are confused. In group meetings and one-on-one, if somebody if you're having a conversation one-on-one with somebody and somebody else walks in the hall, they look at them and they're like, kind of give them that like squinty look like, do you know what he's talking about? That's a pretty good indicator that they don't know, right? Same thing in meetings. If they're looking around for others to validate, it's okay for them to not know. That's a huge flag for us, right? Um, regardless if you can do that or not, if you can't sort it out that in the meeting, we still have to have a, a method of sniffing those situations out at the end without humiliating people. This is the key. We have to do it without embarrassing them. We have to find a way of asking them to repeat back what they heard, explain to us what they know without embarrassing them if they get it wrong. And one of the ways I do that is just like, hey, do you think I would rather find out now that you don't understand something or find out after we created a problem with a customer or a coworker or something else went wrong? Of course, the obvious answer for everybody is you'd rather find out now. Right. Okay. Anybody here ever not, you know, anybody here ever sat through training for an hour and at the end just didn't get something? Almost everybody, and I would argue that everybody has had that experience where you sat through training and after an hour, you still didn't get it. It's okay. It does. We're not perfect. We're not robots. It's okay to not get things. It's okay to not understand at the end of an hour of training or 10 minutes or whatever it is. Please just tell me if that's the case so we can solve the problem. That's what I'm after. Um, okay, that's it for this week. Don't forget to go to freehiringwebinar.com to learn the exact strategies other business owners implemented to find talented people after struggling for so long. If you're struggling to find people, I promise this webinar will change the way you write your ads. So uh, other than that, uh, please share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry just like you. And uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, please give us a rating and review. If you can spare a couple minutes, that would be awesome. Thank you to everyone who's done that so far. And that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week.